It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippy is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Happy Saturday. I'm Brian Scott Rippey. On the other end of the line, Colin Brister. This is the LB's postgame show. Ole Miss beat uh, Indiana 26-20. to 20. I wanted to make sure I had the score right and see there hadn't been any more Miss extra points. Um, what's up, man? I don't, let's just get right into it. That was weird. <laughs> that was that was nuts. Uh, I think every Ole Miss fan and their mom said when uh, Luke Logan missed the extra point, uh, well, this ends 27, 26 to the point where I was just like, I just let them score, man. Like just, just get the ball back with three minutes left and let's go see what happens. But, uh, the Ole Miss defense won Ole Miss a football game today against a top 11 opponent. Uh, that, that is not something I thought I would say 24 hours ago. Yeah. No kidding, dude. There's really not a whole lot about that game at all. That made sense. Like it, it had a weird feel to it the whole time. There wasn't a ton of rhythm. Indiana looked super sluggish offensively. And to your point, the Ole Miss defense played pretty well. But as we were talking about just before we started recording, like how much money would you have laid on Indiana if you had told me, if I told you before the game that Ole Miss was going to score 26 points? I mean, I'd probably like try to take out a loan or something to throw it on there. (laughs) I don't even know if that's legal. That's the thing. It's like, 
Ole Miss scoring 26 points isn't surprising to me because you don't have Jared Ailey, you don't have Braylon Sanders, you don't have Elijah Moore, and you don't have Kenny Aboa. Like, 26 points is not a bad day when you consider all of that. I just thought Ole Miss was going to have to score a ton for it to make sense that they win the football game. Uh, and it turns out that credit to them. Um, the defense played extremely well. I thought it looked – I'll be honest, at the beginning of the game, it just kind of seemed like Ole Miss was getting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback than they usually do. I thought Sam Williams played really well. Um, and, and and him not being able to be blocked by their left tackle completely changed Indiana's game plan. And I think he's the one that laid a hit on the quarterback that messed his shoulder up a little bit. So uh, credit the defense, man. They played well all day. And frankly, I, I think they played better than what the score shows uh, because some of those pass interferences, I'm glad I can say this after an Ole Miss win, some of those pass interference calls were god-awful. Yeah, the officiating crew, uh, between that and then obviously this worked out at Ole Miss's favor twice, and one of them wasn't completely unjustifiable, but that one driver, they just had the very odd quick whistles was strange. Like, yeah. I, I didn't think it was very well officiated. They were struggling today. That uh, that was also another They don't give Allen the timeout on the last play. Yeah, that is also true. They uh, they just were not very good at their jobs uh, for most of the afternoon. I Before we kind of get into to, you know some of the offensive stuff, you were right. The defense really kind of won this game for Ole Miss. And like, conversely, while we're talking about you know money and wagering, how much would you have given me to go get, I don't know, drug tested or psychological help if I'd have told you that the Indiana would not have a touchdown through three quarters? What, what do you think the odds would have been on that? Ooh, that feels like a plus, like a plus 2,000, maybe plus 2,000. I would have, like, it's plus money, right? That Ole Miss doesn't give up a touchdown for the first quarter, much less three quarters. Yeah. How about the first two drives? I mean, it would have been plus four or 500 if you say they don't, Indiana doesn't score on either of the first two drives. And obviously it helps. That Tuttle kid was clearly not at 100%. I mean, no. he was, it was visibly in pain there. What about? That happened, what, late second quarter? Right? Lay, uh, somewhere before half right. halftime, yeah. Yeah, and so that obviously changed the game. But I honestly, this was – like, is, is this the most – other than, I guess, Ole Miss taking Alabama down to the wire, is this the most like surprising result this season? Because to be completely honest, I was t- talking with a buddy yesterday and really just talking to anyone about this game. I didn't necessarily see this for Ole Miss. Indiana kind of got felt like they got screwed out of not going to a New Year's Six game. Yeah, they were down their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., but you know looked okay in their only other game with Tuttle in a 14-6 win against Wisconsin. Ole Miss doesn't have Elijah Moore, doesn't have Kenny Yeboah, doesn't have Jerry Ely, doesn't have Braylon Sanders. And with the way the receivers performed and how much of a struggle it was to get open against LSU, I just didn't see that this for Ole Miss. Oh, I, I, I honestly, like I, I thought they would, I, honestly, I thought there was a pretty decent chance that Indiana might blow the doors off of them. And that didn't happen at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it was up to that defense because, you know, look, in, in fairness to the offense, they put up what should have been at least 27 points and with a good field goal kicker, 30, uh, 33, actually, um, with a good field goal kicker because he misses the 50 yarder and then the 37 yarder. God bless. Um, but, you know, you, you don't have your four best guys. I thought the offensive line played really well. I thought Henry Parrish and Snoop Connor ran the dickens out of the football. Good for those kids. Because um, if they don't play well, Ole Miss has no prayer today. And, and both of those guys played well. Yeah, I I was hopeful. Um, and, I, and I thought that Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin would devise a plan for Ole Miss to be able to score points at a rate that could keep them in the game. But I just didn't think Ole Miss's defense would be able to stop Indiana and credit to DJ Durkin, who who I've been kind of tough on this year. And, and there were some things today I didn't like, but he did a good job. He had a good game plan and Sam Williams played really well. The defensive line played really well. I thought uh, Jock Jones played pretty well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's nice for if, if you're an Ole Miss fan to see this defense play well in a game, this, you know, to, to, kind of spring you into next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was definitely a good sign. Other than, I guess we'll just kind of go through some notes that I wrote down throughout the game. The first one that came up was, I think the other storyline of this game, other than the defense, was the receiving core, right? I mean, Matt Corral goes 30 for 44 for 342 and two touchdowns, 7.8 yards an attempt. If I'm not mistaken, that's down normally. Yeah, that's really down. Most games, but you have a 100-yard game from Dontario Drummond, uh, you know, John Rice Plumley becoming a pretty good slot receiver, and Casey Kelly was productive. They Ole Miss, he threw, Corral threw passes to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different targets. 
granted three of those, no, two of those are running backs, excuse me, but they dispersed the ball pretty well. And it, it was weird because Indiana led, led the big 10. It was 17 interceptions through seven games and they rushed the passer. Well, I, I thought this was a recipe for disaster. The opposite was true. The receiving core was great. Yeah. The receiving core was good. Um, I thought Jonathan Mingo played well. I'll, I'll be honest here. I was never really in the camp that, Hey, just go put Plumlee at receiver. It'll be fine. Um, after today, I don't know how you can't find yourself in that camp. Um, the, the kid looked good and he made a big catch. There was pass interference on the play too. Uh, but made a big catch on a slant route on a third and five on that final drive that Ole Miss went down and scored. Um, I, think I thought if, that was the biggest catch of the game. It was. It was, absolutely, because you have to punt there. Now, again, there was pass interference on a play, which kind of makes the catch even more crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what he wants to do, right? Because, you know, you've heard all this. Hey, he wants to play quarterback. Well, he's not going to play quarterback here. But, man, he sure looked like a stud at receiver today. So, uh you 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 got to wait and see the offseason. If that's something he's wanting to do, I, I think Ole Miss is very, very willing to put him in because uh, they need playmakers at wide receiver, and he certainly is one. Yeah, and the other catch that really comes to mind or the play when you're talking about like what he can offer as a receiver was the one where he actually came out of the backfield. It was a, it was a nice little draw by Kiffin or Levy, whichever one of the two it was, where they got a linebacker on him. And it was just kind of game over after that. Corral lobbed it over his head yep. a little, over the defender's head a little bit. And then you saw that speed. I mean, he got down to what, you know, the, the seven five. or eight yard line, maybe yeah. even closer than that. And I think, you know, if you have, you know, pick your other receiver, that speed, I think it gets him an extra 15 ish yards there at yeah. minimum. And it's, it's funny because the way the game started and I thought Jordan Rogers, who did not have a great day on the mic today, actually made a decent point of a, on his first drop, his first target is like, that's actually a tougher catch than it looks, but it's just kind of funny that the game starts that way where he just, I mean, to the naked eye, just looks like he bricks hands a give me and then ends <laughs> it with the two biggest catches of the game. Right. Right. Um, no, I mean the third, the third down catch, I know everybody's going to remember the, you know, cause especially with the flag on play, everybody's going to remember the, the catch that got him down to the five, man, if Ole Miss punts the football right there, Boy, you're in you're in grave danger of losing that football game. Matt Corral and John Rice Palm, they team up to make a play. Um, and he just I, I think he can bring a little bit of a different dynamic to your offense. So that was good to see if that's something he's willing to do. And I don't know. I, I'm not pretending to know that the kid doesn't want to go somewhere and play quarterback. That's not going to be an option here. Um, but if he wants to play and play slot receiver, I don't know uh of anywhere else you'd rather be right now than Ole Miss because there's immediate playing time. Um, and he's certainly got the skill set to do it. Sure. And if he commits to learning the intricacies of the position and route running and all the footwork stuff that comes with it, why would he not be able to have a professional career doing it? The athleticism is definitely there. So like, you know, it's hard, like you mentioned, it's hard to get into his headspace. No one really knows you know, what he's actually thinking, but obviously in the past, it has been kind of known that he wants to play quarterback. Will, but if you're, if you're making a professional gamble, it's probably him as a receiver would be his best bet. I will say this. Um, if, if the kid, and again, I want to make very clear, I don't know what John Rice Plumlee is going to do. Not, not one clue. Um, if he does transfer to go play quarterback somewhere, good on that kid today for lining up in slot receiver and just helping his football team. Um, because they needed him. But if they don't have him at rod receiver today, today is they don't win the game. I don't think. Um, so, you know, if, 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 a month from now, we figure out that, hey, he's, he's going somewhere else to play quarterback. Good on him for lining up on on his birthday, no less. And, uh, you know, playing, playing a position that Ole Miss just flat out needed on pretty much, what, two days or two weeks of practice? Pretty much, yeah. I wonder how much, like, I wonder at what point in the year he actually came open to the idea. And I wonder how much, like, when he first started doing receiver drills. Yeah. Um, you know, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it may have been reported or or. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaking, but that 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 was going on some during camp. But to your point, yeah, I mean, very limited reps, if any. And I mean, no one's no one's ever questioned him being a good kid. Like, I mean, he's like the son your mom wishes you were. He's a full time pianist and part time football player. Um, (laughs) But like you pointed out after the Egg Bowl, he didn't play a snap in that game or less than five and was probably one of the happiest ones in the postgame celebration. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that kid's a wonderful kid. Um, and I know, you know, people have think that, that we don't like the kid cause we didn't like him playing quarterback last year, but no, no, that, that, that kid's a good kid. And, and I'm happy that he had the success today. I do wonder if today man changes his mind, because if, if you can play against Indiana's defense, you can play. 
So I just, I just wonder if getting him out there and having, and I shouldn't say changes his mind. I don't know what his mindset is. Um, but I just wonder if that shows him, Hey bud, you, you, you got a future at this. If you work at it. Cause I mean, think about it. He's a sophomore next year, right? Uh, cause this year doesn't count. So he's got plenty of time to develop into, into a uh, slot receiver. Sure. Absolutely. And I was about to go further down the stat sheet, but my computer just had a stroke. I don't really know what's going on there, but right before it, it just blacked out the, I mean, he was the second leading receiver. He had five catches for 73 yards. And outside of Drummond was, you know, probably the most reliable target. I guess you could throw uh, Casey Kelly, the best Kelly to ever suit up for Ole Miss, uh, in the mix as well. He's been kind of a nice surprise. How does he the was, announcing he was really crew, good the last two games. How does the announcing crew, by the way, not mention who his brother is? Like the whole game, never heard of it. Yeah, that is a good point. I never even noticed that. They just never mentioned it. I guess they're still hung up on the fact that uh, Blake Bortles paid for Colby's college. Yeah, we, we heard we heard about that, and uh, what was it? Kramer Robertson's uh, mom was the uh, head coach Kim of Baylor basketball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we heard that years. a time or two through the years. <laughs> oh God! But, yeah, ne- never mentioned who his brother was. And if you want to spin this big picture, like it's it, you have to feel a hell of a lot better about Ole Miss's uh, kind of outlook at the receiver position going into next year because you lose Elijah Moore who pretty much for two seasons in a row was kind of a one-man show. He had a little bit more help around him this year. Last year, the, I've talked about it at great length if you've listened to this podcast, Rob, the catch disparity between him and everyone else was just kind of silly. I mean, what, he had 67 grabs in 2019, and I think the next closest was a receiver was Don Terrio Drummond with like 12, and Ely was actually the same second leading receptions leader God. with like 16. So, you know, and then you go into the LSU game, and that was just kind of a disaster, even which sounds weird to say when they put up 40 some odd points and 500 yards of offense. But it was clear those guys weren't getting open. And you probably play against as good, every bit as good, or at least in the same league type of secondary today and looked a hell of a lot better. For a big picture standpoint, that's got to make you feel a lot better going into next season. Because now yeah. you kind of you look at a number of guys and think, OK, there's something there, uh, the, namely Plumlee. Yeah, and and I I think you know I, I'm not a recruiting guru and I'm not as locked in as I used to be on this stuff, but I, I think Ole Miss is going to add transfer portal guys at the uh, skill positions, at especially tight end and wide receiver, um, guys that they think can come in and make an immediate impact. So um, we'll see. But yeah, this is a lot better sign than what you saw at LSU from a receiver's perspective, especially if Plumlee can play. Um, you know, and I, I do wonder to if Plumley not playing much receiver this year. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the talk was how he doesn't want to go play wide receiver. Well, he is the backup quarterback, right? Like if Matt Corral went down in the fourth game of the year, John Rice Plumley was the quarterback. Um, so how much, re- how many reps can you give this kid when, you know, if Matt Corral has to come out, he's your quarterback. Um, and next year, obviously you've got Luke Altmaier, who's going to be the backup quarterback. So it can be a whole different dynamic and how you use him, uh, next year compared to this year. So yeah, but it, from a receiving perspective, just so much better. I thought, I thought Jonathan Mingo played a little better today, man. They, that, that kid's got to come on. Um, if they can get him going, they, they've got something there and, you know, Don Terrio Drummond, I thought played really well. So yeah, a lot better than what we saw at LSU for sure. And I wonder if Braylon Sanders comes back next year, oh, too, because if yeah. he does, I think he probably would, right? I mean, I, I, yes. I'm merely guessing there, but, you know, he was the most seasoned guy of the whole group, and not having him today was a big loss. I mean, the game even changed when he went after he went out in the LSU game, so now you feel a hell of a lot better about it. Here's another note I wrote down, and this is some hard-hitting analysis. Corral had a turnover-free game. And was it the most efficient? His numbers in the second half obviously looked a lot better. He wasn't, like, crazy efficient at halftime, but – um. Him not turning it over is better than for Ole Miss than him turning it over six times. Thoughts? <laughs> you you prefer his zero turnover games to six turnover games? Is what you're saying? Exactly, and it comes against a, a team that led the you know the Big Ten in both interceptions and sacks. Like that's right. kind of what Indiana does. You know, I, I did a pregame podcast or a or pre whatever podcast earlier in the week with a guy from Indiana, a beat writer there, and kind of this, the, the seeds of how that Indiana defense came to be are, are a little bit similar to how, you know, Kane Womack's dad built it in Oxford where, you know, they give the guys a lot of freedom on the back end to go make plays. And up until this game, they'd been a pretty fun group to watch much like that 2014 secondary was. So it was kind of similar there. And so I thought that might be a recipe for disaster, but Corral, now he had some shaky moments, particularly early in the game, but all in all, a turnover free day and looked more like Matt Corral that we saw for, what, eight games this year? Yeah, eight out of yeah. ten? 
you know, and, and this is going to sound weird. Um, I think with Elijah Moore, there, there was a lot of times with this offense that Matt Corral was throwing to wide open guys um, and not having to make a lot of hard throws and a lot of tight windows. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he had to make some NFL throws today and, and he did, um, which, which is a good sign for more than one reason, because, you know, you're not always going to get Elijah more separation. And I thought there were times a day where he fit balls into really, really tight windows um, and guys made plays. Um, even the, the drop that Jonathan Mingo had in the back of the end zone, my God, what a throw um, to put that on the, the guy's outside shoulder and let Mingo have a shot at it. Um, I, I thought today was one of, and it's not going to show up in the stats. I get that. I thought today was one of his best days from an accuracy and production standpoint with what he had to work with. Yeah, I could not agree more. And you're seeing a lot more examples of this, particularly this season. But like, I feel like, like with them going into the LSU game, they're without Elijah Moore. They're without Kenny Yaboa. Sanders goes out of the game. But like once you kind of put once the game starts going and everyone has the pads on, you're playing like people don't really take that into account in real time, I feel like. And I mean, whether it was Trask in Florida the other night, Corral at LSU, there's been a couple other instances in these bowl games. When you're when a quarterback is down his top three targets, it sucks. It's hard to recover, yeah. particularly on a short notice. That Trask was so lost. He got benched. And so, you know, that's that's a hard thing to overcome. And I think obviously a couple more weeks of practice, everything. Everything else that went with the time off certainly helped, but like that, that shouldn't be understated because that that's a bummer. That's hard. Yeah, that's really hard. Um, and you know, he comes out and plays well today. I, man, it, I, I think there's some people that, you know, oh, well, what is this offense going to look like next year? Because they're not going to have Elijah Moore. They're going to be fine. Jerron Healy's still really good. Henry Ferris is really good. Snoop Connor's really good. Matt Corral's really good. Um, and you're going to find some receivers that can hopefully go and make plays. I thought Don Terrio Drummond showed today. He, hey, he, he can play. Um, Braylon Sanders, we know what you're getting out of him. So if you can have a John, John Rice Plumley or Jonathan Mingo step up, um, yeah, then you've got something there, especially if you're able to add somebody in the transfer portal that can play at either tight end or receiver or both. Um, you know, I think this offense has got a shot. I don't necessarily think it's going to be as dynamic next year. I think losing, you know, Kenny Yaboa and Elijah Moore does hurt a little bit. Um, but I do think it's going to be an offense worth watching next year. And I think they're going to be able to put up just maybe not as many points, but I think they're going to be pretty prolific again next year. And presumably the defense will not go, well, hopefully for a lot of people's job sakes, the defense yeah. will be at least marginally better next year where they won't have to be so uber aggressive at times. Like I wish if I, if I actually had the time and energy to go back and just highlight some of, this is going to sound bad because there's always a bad connotation to this word, but just kind of absurdly aggressive play calls that Kiffin and the, and Levy and this offense had to do this year. Like he hates punting and he doesn't have a kicker and the defense stinks. That's about as aggressive as a mindset as you can take. And it's completely justified. <laughs> yeah. Except, for, except for when you run on third and seven at your 20 with a kicker that cannot make that field goal. That's the only thing I got mad at today. Sure. And I thought I, that was oh. the weirdest part, right? Cause that, that sequence it's uh that sequence happens. I was like, as soon as he handed the ball off, I was like up two down territory. And then it just didn't happen. Yeah. And, and I get the mindset there. Hey, we're going to get four and we're going to go for it here. I just kind of think right there, man, uh, games on the line. Kind of let, let, let's make, let's let two make a play. Um, Cause he's really good because I, and, and frankly, I know this sounds stupid. I'd have gone for that fourth down. I, I don't think there's anybody that actually thought that kid was making the field goal. No, of course not. I mean, that's <laughs> I, mean, a, I mean, that's a that's hopefully a question Ole Miss fans are never going to have to ask themselves again. But it's an obvious one. Would you let let Matt Corral throw the ball or Luke Logan kick the football? I would go with the former. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's Caden Costa next year, that's you know going to have a boot and is going to be really good. Yeah, I'll let him kick it. <laughs> Luke Logan, huh? You know what? I, I bet he's a good kid, and I'm glad today is not a loss and that he didn't have to live with last year's Egg Bowl and then this year's uh, Outback Bowl, um, you know, being put on him. So I guess, you know, the new way for Ole Miss's defense to get game-clenching stops is to miss extra points because you think about it, they miss the one against Alabama, they get a stop. They, get the, they miss the one against Indiana, they get a stop. That's how Ole Miss wins football games nowadays on defense. It's a good point. Maybe Luke Logan kind of was ahead of the game on all of us. And by missing <laughs> it, he knows the defense is going to get a stop. Yes. I mean, he, he was nothing if not consistent. I believe he missed. You think he's the only college kicker ever to miss the last extra points of back-to-back -back seasons? 
Oh, that's a yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think I mean, so. there's there's no way that's happened much much other often. I don't know the math. The math gets pretty weird sometimes with kickers, but that's a that's tough. And when he missed that, and it was twenty six twenty, I was like, oh, buddy, this could be devastating. And what a sour way to end the year that would have been. I'm glad they got that stop. I think I think there were plenty of people that were thinking, uh, just let them score. Just, just you know, let kick it out of the back of the end zone and let them go, because. Um, you just want the football back. That's kind of the way I was against uh, LSU with the defense. I was just like, let them score. It'll be fine. Um, but yeah, the credit that defense, man, they, they held up when they had to and, and made a play and, and that's what they had to do and, and good on them for doing it. Before we get into a couple of big picture defensive thoughts, I just wanted to hit on the running game for a second. This team is incredibly difficult to like figure out from a running game perspective. Cause I believe they were the, they led the sec in rushing for the first time in a long time this year. That part sure. is not surprising, but there's been multiple games where I've sat down to record this podcast and I've looked at their rushing numbers and it's either been way worse than I remembered or way better. And today was one of them. I felt like they ran the ball. Okay. For the most part, but you end up with only 147 yards on 40, 35 team carries. Henry Parrish leads with, 63 yards on 17 carries, only 3.7 yeah. yards per carry. Like, it's just, just kind of weird, but I didn't think they were horrible in that. No, I didn't. Today. There weren't a lot of open field runs. Like, I think Snoop broke out once. Um, but outside of that, it was a bunch of four or five, occasionally an eight-yard gain, you know. Um, so, no, I, I didn't think they ran the ball particularly well, but I thought Indiana did a lot of that because, hey, you don't have your four weapons. I think they kind of took that away to a perspective. Um and Ole Miss was able to combat that with, you know, uh, Matt Crowell making plays to guys that hadn't played a lot this year. So um, credit to all of those guys. I, I think there was a focus on Indiana to not let Ole Miss run the football. Yeah, I agree there. And I really kind of the 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 storyline that's really emerged uh, towards the end of the season is, you know, we, we were talking about during the LSU game and after I even texted as a now former staffer uh, during the LSU game is like, is Snoop hurt? Did I miss something here? It's like, no, Henry Parrish has just kind of usurped him. And, like, Snoop's good in his own right. He's very effective, particularly in short yardage, just kind of out of necessity. But he's been really good the last two games. He ends up with 39 carries for 200 yards on the year. Obviously, the vast majority of that comes in the last two games. You can see why Kiffin likes him so much. They have so much faith in him. He's been really good. Yeah, he's been fun. He's been he's been really good. And I think, you know, he, he's got a really good future here at Ole Miss. Um, I don't, you know, a lot of people are worried, like, oh, is Snoop going to leave? It's like, man, look. Um, having three good running backs is not a bad thing because you don't make it through this league uh, a 12-game schedule, which is what I hope and pray they play next year. Um, you don't make it through a 12-game schedule with your running backs playing every game. So uh, you're going to need Snoop Connor to, to carry probably a big role at some point next year in a big game. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, both of those guys played well because, frankly, they, they need all three of them next year to, to, be able to, uh, to be able to be as successful as they probably want to be. Did you double take like me when Kentrell Bullock got in the game? Yeah, he got a carry. I was, I was like, like 22. Yeah, I was. I had to look it up. I was like, wait a minute, who is that for a second? And then obviously, like, I mean, just because you hadn't seen, he was a highly touted kid sure. out of what? He's a Columbia, Mississippi kid. Yeah. Um, but you just hadn't seen him all year. So it made me double take. I was like, wait a minute, who is this guy? And then it obviously after looking it up, I was like, oh, but uh, that was another random note in this fairly odd game. But another to another point talking about just kind of how crazy some of the numbers were in this game. Like if you told me like 26 points aside, if I told you Ole Miss ran it 35 times for just 147, you're probably betting pretty heavily that Indiana won handily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, yeah, but I wouldn't have known that Ole Miss was going to hold them to 20 points. Ole Miss, if you'd have told me Ole Miss would have, was going to hold Indiana to 20 points, I'd have been like, oh, that's not a bad first half. Like seriously, yeah. I swear <laughs> to God. No kidding. <laughs> If you told me, hey, they're going to hold them to 20, I'm like, that's, that's pretty good for the first half because I've seen them give up 30 in the first half. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. I would have considered 20 and a half. I mean, that would have been right on their season average, so it would have not have been, like, worse than expected. They give up just over 40 a game, so 20 and a half, like you mentioned, <laughs> wouldn't have been terrible, but instead of this steel curtain defense kept them out of the end zone for three quarters somehow. One thing I didn't understand for Indiana, you have a kid in Tuttle who's, appears to be talented but was clearly not at full strength he ends up 26 for 45 for 201 and an interception indiana ran it 40 times for 168 and some of that's a little skewed just because they were down late in the second half and need to throw it more but why like i mean their top two backs average 5.2 and 5.7 yards per carry why are you having a kid with a hurt arm 
uh, throwing yeah. the ball 45 times. I thought they should have run the ball. Yeah. It didn't make a ton of sense to me. That felt like somewhat of the South Carolina game where, you know, I know South Carolina scored a lot of points, but Bobo, for whatever reason, decided, you know what, I'm going to pass here. And it's like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> but today felt yeah. similar in that to where every time Indiana dropped back, it felt like a win for Ole Miss because the secondary was playing well on top of his injured yeah. arm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, secondary played pretty well today outside of the, 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 third and long catch that the kid made that just made me want to break a remote. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm glad Indiana didn't run the ball more because I thought every time they did, they were having pretty good success. Cool moment with Otis Reese getting the pick and it yeah. came at a pretty important time. I guess that's kind of a, uh, a sweet ending to really just kind of a load of crap for the lack of a better phrase. I mean, there's no reason that kid should have been limited to two games this season, but glad that happened for him. Cause that the first two months of this season, particularly with everything else going on had to suck because the part that I didn't hear mentioned a lot is like, yeah, it sucks. This kid can't play, but he's also having to go through all these not BS protocols, but all yeah. this extra stuff in this year. That's not that fun and not get to play at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That does suck. Um, so yeah, I'm happy for him. He's obviously a really talented kid that is going to help Ole Miss's defense immensely next year. So, um, and so you know. but I mean, speaking of Otis Reese, uh, my former colleague, Michael Borky, uh, I saw him tweet that Ole Miss would have won another game or two potentially yeah. if they had Otis Reese all year long. And at first I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But the more and more I think about it, I think it's certainly, you could make the case for that. I mean, another turnover here or there, yeah, that I mean, makes you a difference in almost every game they play. One stop against Auburn or one stop against Arkansas or yeah, uh, I think that's completely fair. One, hell, one stop against Alabama. Um, you know, so I, I think it's completely fair. I think the kid's a heck of a player. And, and, you know, if you have him out there, you never know what happens, but I don't think that's an unfair statement at all. Yeah. They've got a couple of Juco kids coming in, but obviously as we kind of turn the page on this 2020 season, Oh, miss needs one. The pass rush has gotten a little bit better towards the end of the year, but the interior defensive line, and they got a couple of Juco kids coming yeah. is really where this defense was just softer than butter. And that's what really needed to improve. And that's why I was surprised Indiana didn't utilize it today, but to their credit, they, uh, they stood tall today and I was trying to find some of the defensive stats, but uh, I can't in front of me. How many, do you know how many times off the top of your head they got to Tuttle? How many times did they sack him? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but it was that, that sack on third or, was it second down? I think it was second down, made it third and 18. Yeah, that was that was a huge play. I don't know how many sacks they had, but it was it was I feel like more than they've had in the game all year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that changed the game. I mean, on that last drive, like him taking that sack there really felt like a backbreaker. Because honestly, I was I don't know what he's doing like, there. How either. are they gonna blow this? Like, yeah, what was he doing? Away. That changed the whole game. Yeah, just throw the ball away. Like, I'm glad he did it, but yeah, that one didn't make much sense. But you could tell that. So I, like I was mentioning earlier, I was pretty surprised by the results of this game, just because the mindset I had going in is like, this doesn't seem like a particularly great matchup for Ole Miss, you know, Corral coming off a six turnover game with a team that their MO is to sack guys and turn the football and turn teams over. I mean, they've done it a lot. They did it really well this year. I just didn't see it, but to the opposite point of that, you like, I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier. You could tell from the first couple of drives of the game that the defense was holding his own. It was like, okay, they actually have a shot here. Like this is, this is not going to be a, uh, not going to be a track meet, at least uh, not on the Indiana side. No, no, no. They, they, they were getting after the quarterback for sure early in the game. And, and you know, that was a good sign because if you're able to put a little bit of heat on the quarterback, it drastically changes what you're able to do. And I just kind of noticed it in the first quarter, Hey, they're getting back there a little bit easier than they usually do. So, um, you know, hopefully if you're able to get, you know, Jamont Gordon and uh, Isaiah Aiton, if they're good ball players, man, you, you've got a defense that's got a shot next year. And, and with what I think you've got on the offensive side of the football from a play calling perspective, that, that means a lot. Yeah, I think the opposite of what just everyone thought happened would happen in this game actually happened because the Indiana guy had on his name, John Blaup, smart dude, uh, was very good interview, but he was like, I mean, his general consensus was, well, if this game goes to a track meet, I'm not sure about Indiana's chances here to where if it's low scoring, uh, Indiana's probably got a pretty good shot at it. That yeah. that didn't exactly come to fruition. I'm not poking fun at him. I thought the same thing, but like, this is not the blueprint I saw Ole Miss uh, of how Ole Miss would walk away uh, with the Bloomin' Onion trophy. Is that even a real thing? I just kind of made that up. I'm not sure. I think everybody does get free Bloomin' Onions at Outback, though. Um, so that's nice. If, if you have an Outback near you, you can get you a Bloomin' Onion if that's your thing. It's not my thing, but 
I'm sure it's somebody's thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did not think there would be a scenario where Ole Miss could win this football game and only score 26 points. Um, so yeah, it, it's the complete opposite. And, you know, Ole Miss did get into a track meet. I thought there were, there were times, right. Where Ole Miss could have gone and put this game away. I thought if they wouldn't went and scored after the Otis race interception and made it 20 to three, uh, I felt like the game would have been over. If, you know, you go and score after the fumble there to make it what, uh, 20, four or whatever to six, then I think the game's over there. Um, but you know, almost just couldn't put it away till the end, which whatever won the football game, but yeah, uh, it, it kind of just felt like whatever, uh, everybody expected was a complete opposite. Yeah, agreed. And like it, in the turnovers comment, of, I was trying to think of points where this game swung and part of it that came to mind is Indiana gets the field goal out of halftime to, um, to cut it to 13 to six and Ole Miss answers with the touchdown. And then Tylen Knight makes a huge play on the forced fumble. It's so, it's, it's so weird watching Tylen Knight, uh, who kind of just put up ridiculous numbers offensively at Pearl that kind of justified Ole Miss, you know, offering him a late scholarship, making plays on the defensive side of the ball as his former receiver miles battle. But I thought his turnover came at a very opportune time. Cause there was a chance there where Indiana, like that felt like a backbreaker for him. Obviously it didn't, turn out to be that way but i thought that came at a very crucial time yeah absolutely um so i i think tyler knight's had a heck of a year man from from what they've asked him to do to go to the offense or the defensive side of the football for the second time in his career um so yeah just good for him i thought miles battle was actually my one of them. Uh, I thought he actually played pretty well. Um, and I think the secondary has got a chance next year, man. You know, I think we said it on a podcast before. you don't really know about this secondary because when the defensive line is just not accomplishing anything, you can't really tell how good they are. But man, when the defensive line was getting a little heat today, they, they appeared to be pretty decent. So, um, that's a, I'm interested to see them next year. I think they've got a shot to be okay next year. You could see, you could see it really from the, tail end of 2019 at coming along for individual guys and Jalen Jordan had a really nice year and even on the plays where Indiana like you mentioned that very frustrating third down catch Jordan was right there like he looked mystified that that Indiana receiver caught the ball so like to your point everything felt a hell of a lot more contested to whereas a la 2018 Wesley McGriff there's a ton of times and I've used this example before where guy catches the ball and there's no one with a blue hat on uh, anywhere in the television screen. And they were a heck of a lot more contested, uh, even the throws today. And it probably shows in this number a little bit. Tuttle threw it 45 times, completed 26 of them for 4.1 yards per completion. That's not, not great. great. No, that's not good at all. Um, so, yeah, good on them. I thought the secondary, I mean, I thought the whole defense played well. Um, I thought Momo and, and Jock played well. Um, you know, Lucky Henry doesn't play today. Jock Jones steps in and then makes some plays. So, yeah, I, I I don't really think there was a weak spot this defense today. So good on them. They uh they had a rough year and, and it's nice to see them go out with and play extremely well. Absolutely. Indiana is seven of seventeen on third down. You can live with that. Three of four Absolutely. on fourth down with the fourth down, of course, coming at the end of the game. Ole Miss has four hundred and ninety-three yards of total offense. Indiana with just three sixty-nine. I believe. Yeah, I want to make sure that right. Ole Miss penalized eight times for 79 yards. Indiana five for 50. And then Indiana also possessed the ball for 11 minutes longer than Ole Miss did in this game. If you want something else that doesn't make a ton of sense. (laughs) It felt like that, though, because it felt like when Ole Miss was actually scoring it, it didn't take long. And and I'll be honest with you. It felt like Ole Miss's drives uh, didn't take long at all. They were either scoring really quick or punting really quick. One or the other was happening, and it was happening fast. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, some of that's a credit to Corral. I thought he played really well today. And, you know, this is now back-to-back times. Both times he's come off, like, we've made it a point. Like, when he has a bad game, he's going to do it to the nth degree. But he's rebounded both times and has not let that compounded his mistakes. Because while he's definitely the starter going into 2021, if he has another kind of throw-up performance and turns it over three or four times, you're looking at him in the year he had a lot differently than I think uh, than if he would have played well today, which he did. I think it's sure. a different conversation for coming off back-to-back, you know, multi-turnover games going into 2021. Sure. And, you know, he had to protect the football today, man, because almost turns it over today. They don't, they don't win this football game. Indiana turns it over twice and he went by six. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you got to be really excited about Matt Corral next year, right? Because I, I'm, there's not a lot of better quarterbacks in that. I think the kid at North Carolina may be a little bit better, but there's outside of him, I don't, there's nobody else I'd take over Matt Corral. So he should be really, really fun to watch next year. 
I mean, sands are, I mean, I know that, you know, ifs, ands, or buts, and like, you can't actually play this game, but like, you know, since the Arkansas and the LSU game and his numbers are still right there and in a normal year probably would have gotten a little bit more of a look. Ole Miss obviously did not win to the level no. needed to actually seriously be in the conversation. But to your point, the numbers, like if you're looking at the trash, the Mac Jones of the world are, I mean, they're in the same ballpark. They're not, I mean, I know trash through something insane of touchdowns wise this year, but he's at the same level of production. So I, I agree. I don't think it's very far fetched at all. Um, him having a big year, maybe getting some Heisman buzz early in 2021. I mean, no. it kind of sounds like outlandish and ridiculous, but I don't think it's too far off. No, I mean, look, a quarterback is pretty much up for this every single year, right? And you look at the best quarterbacks in the league, and Matt Corral is going to be one of them. So I don't, I don't really think you know you can label it outlandish. Now, look, does this offense take a step back with the loss of Elijah Moore and Kenny Bow? Maybe it does. I don't know, but uh, if it doesn't, and and Matt Corral grows and improves, look, look, I don't know if he can improve as much as he did from 2019 to 2020. But if he's improved as much as he did then from 2020 to 2021, uh, we're talking about a top 10 pick at that point. So um, I'm interested to see, you know, and obviously they didn't get spring ball, man. Like this, this was hard. So um, I think there's a real opportunity that, that he's going to have a big year next year. Agreed. And then on the flip side of that, when do you think the last time Ole Miss went three consecutive quarters without allowing an opponent a touchdown? Can some nerd out there look that up? I'm not going to do it, but it's, it feels like it's probably been. I, I, just, don't you yeah, think? I, I was talking to the guy I was watching the game with. Uh, when's the last time they went to halftime without allowing a touchdown? Because God, God knows. I mean, I can name a game where they didn't, but I can't name specifically the last time. I know they, I don't think they did against Georgia in 16. Um, but outside of that, I mean, like, you know, I, I have no idea. So, um, I think, um, Mississippi state 2017, they didn't give up a touchdown before halftime, but for the That's first right. three quarters, uh, who knows? It, I, I certainly don't. And then did this game, I have a, I wrote down another random note. Did this, this game felt like it got a little chippy at times. It wasn't anything over the top. But sure. Both teams are passionate. Nick, Nick, was it? Yeah, it was Broker. Broker, Was it yeah. Broker at the beginning Austin of the game? Points. <laughs> that, man, that man was fired up. I was laughing. I didn't even see the flag thrown, but just watching that, I saw him like specifically in live action. It just caught my eye, and I was like, well, that's got to be a personal foul. Like, you, you can't do that. You respect the intensity, but I found that funny, but that leads me to a larger theory. Do people just like hate the SEC? And, like, 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 Is there any credence to that at all? I don't understand – Tulsa and Mississippi State getting into a brawl. I mean, Florida looked like their dog had just died compared to Oklahoma looking like they're having the times of their lives on that football field with no one in the stands in a game that doesn't really mean a ton. I wonder if it's something like that because the chippiness of this bowl season involving SEC teams does not make a ton of sense to me. The state no. game was so bizarre. What does State and Tulsa have? Like, what, what, what irreconcilable differences do those dudes have? <laughs> <laughs> and that one kind of started before the game too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it does kind of feel like there's some SEC dislike, which, hey, guess what? I dislike the SEC too. So, um, no, no, that feeling's mutual. So, um, but yeah, it, it certainly does feel like there is some uh, some SEC hatred among the teams that that they play. That's really all I've got. Like, did anything else from the game stand out to you? I will talk some big picture stuff on just no. this 2020 season as a whole, but that was really just kind of the game. The defense played really well. Them having an injured quarterback helped. I didn't understand some of their play calling strategy, and the offense was was plenty good enough. I mean, it was really a, particularly considering the circumstances, a really well played game by Ole Miss, and I think figured out some stuff for next year. You know, if you're if you're one of those people that hates it when people call bowl games meaningless, I think there's some nuance to it. But like, Ole Miss found out a little bit about John Rice Plumley today. I think you could say the same for a couple of the tight ends and and other things. They found out some stuff that'll help in 2021. Look, I struggle, and, and I won't spend a lot of time with this. You, bowl games meaningless. Like I get it; it doesn't necessarily impact you know how you view your season, whatever. Um, I I don't think the guys that actually go and play in the bowl games find it meaningless. Like I don't ever think there's going to be a guy that plays uh, in a bowl game that you know isn't out there to play extremely hard. And I think Ole Miss played uh, about as hard as you possibly could today. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I, I thought. I thought they found out a lot about themselves today. I think you found out John Rice Plumley, if he wants to be a quarterback or wants to be a wide receiver, can be a really, really good one. 
Yeah, agreed. And like you don't, I thought both teams looked pretty happy to be there and played with intensity. I know that's just kind of a general take on things, but like both teams look interested to be there. Where at times during this bowl season, I mean, Florida could not have looked more disinterested. No, they didn't want that. Like that, that may be one of the clearest examples of that I've seen in a long time. And Oklahoma was happier than hell to be there. Florida was and, not and, in the slot. And I get it. Like, hey, you're down your receivers, whatever. Man, y'all weren't trying. Like, like Mullen, that was a bad look to me after the game. Um, to say, yeah, our practice squad played okay. No, nah, man, like you're Florida. Those are still four star dudes. You're you're you're, you're playing good players. Uh, you just got the crap beat out of you. So, um, I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that. That that was a bad look to me for him. He's had a rough PR season just from down to down. I mean, yeah, he, he gets he got this issue fired up. But him saying, you know, after Texas A and M, we talked about this after that pod. That yeah. was one of the first games I watched this year where you felt like there was a little bit of an atmosphere just because Kyle Field is so huge and the general right. number of people there allowed in. But him saying, I mean, you think about it, the last six months he had him saying he wants 90,000 people in the swamp the next week. And then if I'm not mistaken, didn't he get COVID after He got that? COVID that week. Yeah, and then the casual just, oh, yeah, I've been under a recruiting show cause that expires next month. Uh, that that wasn't great. And, you know, the stuff after the game um, inciting a riot uh, in the Missouri game and then just refusing to use Vanderbilt's locker room. Like, Dan, Dan Mullen had a very like Dan Mullen year. He's almost like he's a moron. I mean, just I, I, not a great look for him the last month or so, particularly getting the doors blown off of him by an Oklahoma team who, if they're one of the class, I think they were one of the classic cases of like, you know, they're a much different team than they were at the end of September. They look, they look pretty good and got a bunch coming back next year. I know Rattler kind of sucked in the first couple of games, but yeah. anyway, reeling this back into Ole Miss just so they finished the year five and five, which. I think this, I, you talk about non-meaningless bowl games. I think this is important, man. I mean, at the end of the day, and as much as Ole Miss people say they don't compare their you know season to Mississippi State and vice versa, it does matter in this state, and there is some credence. Yeah. And if you lose the game to date, the two teams same finish record. with the same amount of wins. Yeah, it's not the same record, but same amount of wins for sure. Um, and I think anybody that logically watched Ole Miss and Mississippi State play football would tell you that one school was a lot better than the other ones. But, yeah, you can't really hang your head off much when uh, you both, you know, you both have four wins. Um, so, you know, uh, it was, it was a good win by Ole Miss, man, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, so, so credit to them for getting it. I, I, I thought they were in trouble, um, when, you know, you find out that four starters aren't your four best weapons aren't going to play and credit to that offensive staff, man, they got it done. Yeah, I agree. And like five and five just sounds a hell of a lot better than four it and does. six. To your point, like, yes, you could tell watching the two teams Ole Miss because Ole Miss didn't ever get blown out in any game. They were not housed in any game, no. which is not the same for state or a couple other schools as well. Like I, it's, I'm not like picking on state in that aspect, but like, you know, four and six, like we talked about it in the preseason. We're like, how do you think, like, what's a success for Ole Miss this year? And I think everyone kind of settled on it. They can somehow get four and six, you know, that would be pretty good. And three and seven, depending on how it looks. Once we knew it was an sec only schedule. I really didn't think they had much of a shot at five and five before the season started. Like you could see it a couple weeks in, like, okay, this team's actually, actually halfway decent, but uh, this, this is an overwhelming success. I think for Kiffin in oh, year absolutely. one gets a nice rollback extension announcement, just a nice way to end the year for a team. I know everyone's endured a lot this year, but Ole Miss kind of dealt with some crap the last month and a half of the year, not playing back to back, you know, losing your top two targets before the LSU game, COVID issues. Like it, it, this had to feel pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just, man, do you, it, it, just pretend that, you know, in May COVID's eradicated and almost kicks off a regular season football game and, and whatever September against, uh, who, who they have at home, Arkansas next year, they opened the home late with Arkansas. There's going to be 68,000 people there. And that place is going to be rocking. Like it I, will, it's year two, but it'll have a 2012 ish feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it will. It will. It kind of feels like this was like a warm up, right? Like a preseason or whatever. But yeah, that place will be a zoo um, for Ole Miss's first home game, especially conference game next year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. I mean, people are definitely interested in the program again. You could tell, I mean, you could tell that on a number of different fronts and them going five and five. And, you know, when I look back and I wrote down some predictions at the beginning of the season, I think Ben and I actually did a podcast where we did predictions. I didn't go back and listen to that. I might actually do that. That might be an interesting exercise, but like I had no idea that they would be this 
uh, prolific on offense. I knew Kiffin was a good mind. I just didn't know if they had the horses at the skill position slots, namely receiver. You know, they'd be good at running back, but man, this level of production offensively is absurd. I mean, what they're at 40 something points a game. I mean, it, it's crazy, but they were also worse than I thought on defense. I didn't think they would, they would struggle this badly. I knew that wouldn't be great, but that was kind of the two biggest surprises on each side of the ball for me. Yeah. Um, no, that's completely fair. And I mean, you think back to September 26th when they take the field against Florida, you don't know Matt Corral is going to be good. Like me and you both thought, hey, he's better than Plumbly um, at quarterback, but that doesn't mean he's a good quarterback. Um, you know, he hadn't done a whole heck of a lot, um, but he was good. And, you know, Elijah Moore was good. And Kenny Yaboa was good. And Jaron Ailey was good. So this offense was just electric. And that's, I'm excited for next year just to see, look, and, and excited might be the wrong adjective there, but I'm, I mean, interested to see what this is going to look like and how they're going to play it with John Rice Plumley if he stays and plays slot um, and, you know, replacing Elijah Moore, because I think, you know, Elijah Moore was really good, really, really good. He's going to be a first round draft pick. So I don't think you're just going to replace that guy. And I don't, I think your offense takes a little bit of a step back, but how much, because if this offense doesn't take too much of a step back with a loss of Elijah Moore, um, you, you you may have something really special here in Oxford with this offense. Sure, and I think that there was probably a pretty good evidence of that today and against LSU, as bad as that seems sometimes with guys not getting open and the turnovers. But even despite all that, he puts up 500-something yards of offense and 48 points in the loss to LSU. Like, his, the bad old Miss games off offensively have looked a lot different than say, I don't know, a rich Rodriguez, uh, bad <laughs> when you scored 13 at Auburn. Yeah. Yes. And that, Oh man, that was a, that was quite the, uh, quite the day, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, I think he's kind of, I mean, Kiffin's definitely one of the brighter minds on the offensive side of the ball. And so is Jeff Levy. And I, maybe that was slept on just a little bit because there is so much just like Lane Kiffin was a splash hire. It was designed to, he's a good football coach, obviously, but this was designed to get people interested from, you know, <laughs> beer drinking in the, in the tad pad or not the tad pad, the, uh, the pavilion at right. one, you know, 12 o'clock on a Monday, like it was designed to get excitement. I think some of the, the offensive prowess probably got slept on a little bit, particularly with Levy too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you really, really hope that Jeff Levy uh, doesn't really like the state of Alabama for any reason. Um, so I, I think he's he's one of the best coordinators in the game and is going to be a head coach here very, very soon, whether it's at the power five or group five level, I don't know. But I think people are going to be very, very interested if he has another year at Ole Miss like he had this year. A hundred percent. I think we talked about this on a podcast before. I think I said, which happens first, Matt, or someone asked us a question, Matt Corral gets drafted first or Jeff Levy becomes a head coach. And I think we both had the same answer to where it probably happens at the same time after the 2021 season. That would make yeah. sense. I guess it could happen this year. It wouldn't totally. Well, me. I, I was, I was referring to the offensive coordinator openings in Alabama and Auburn. Sure. Yeah. Newly developed uh, on yeah. one, on one half there. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a wild day for Texas. It's just, it feels like they just woke up today. I was like, you know what? I have an idea. Yeah, no kidding, man. I just thought like Sark, like, I mean, not that he's been good and he's, it's a nice yeah, story that he's registered his career, but like, that's also like, if I were a Texas fan first for an outsider, like that, I wouldn't be just like thrilled by it. I'd be like, well, okay, this happened. That's a little weird. Like you mentioned, it just happened out of nowhere. That was awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I woke up today. I was like, uh, yeah, we're going to fire Herman and hire Sark. It's like, okay, well, it's 10 AM, bro. Here's a uh, here's a couple numbers, and then just from the season, and then we'll answer the couple questions we got. We didn't get a ton. I said uh, to you before we recorded, maybe it actually just makes sense that no one has any questions about what just transpired as odd as it was. Just uh, nobody questioned it because it happened. But right. um, Matt Corral finishes the year with the just had it pulled up, and now I'm over here blanking it up to 2,995 yards, so 5,000 yards away from 3,000. Uh, one of 282. He finished the year with a 71.3 completion percentage, 27 touchdowns, an average of 12, 11 yards per reception, 27 touchdowns, 14 picks, and what? Uh, 12 of those came in two games? Yeah, yeah. 12 of those in two games. Yeah. Pretty, so, uh, pretty good there. Pretty good, I'd say. Yeah, he was a stud, man. Um, really happy for him, too. I mean, just after what he dealt with last year, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely thrilled for him. He's going to be sure. a second. He's at worst going to be a second or third round draft pick next year, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. absolute worst. 
look at his decision. Like, how do you think he felt December, I guess, or January now? So not the greatest example, but just before the LSU game or towards the end of yeah. the season, December of 2019 versus December of 2020, his life is slightly different from a football yeah. perspective. I mean, I'm watching Oregon play football right now on the TV. I mean, he would literally be the quarterback of the Oregon Ducks in the, and, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong. He would be on the field right now as the quarterback of the Oregon Ducks playing Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl um, if Ole Miss does not make a change at the head coach position. And, uh, you know, for all of Joe Moorhead's flaws, Joe Moorhead's probably not yanking him two and a half or three games into the season in favor of a guy that he thinks is an awesome runner. <laughs> like, that, that, that probably wasn't going to happen. No, no Joe, Joe's pretty good call place. Yeah, he, he, like I mean, it's, I mean, it's just that was anyway. We've talked about that ad nauseum. No, I can talk about Richard all day if you want. So could I. I saw he was a candidate for the ULM offensive coordinator job. Well, d- don't do that. Used ULM. to go to school at ULM, um, and I would buy a ticket to go to those games just to watch him in the press box again. That is the one thing I miss about Rich Rodriguez: is the would, way he behaves in a press box. I would buy a ticket to uh, it, to sit up near the very top and just yell at him the whole time. You could probably hear him yelling. I, I don't think there's a raucous environment on the bayou there. A um, couple more numbers. Ole Miss does not have a 1,000-yard rusher. Ely finishes with 745 on 147 carries with nine touchdowns. Corral wins up with 469 rushing yards pretty on 105 carries. With sack yardage, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's pretty good. He's a ball player, man. Just a ball player. Snoop and Parrish kind of combined for like the second back roll. I mean, Snoop finishes with 378 on 87 touches. Parrish 200 on 39, like I mentioned earlier. Pretty much all coming on the uh, last start of the game. And then uh, Momo Sonogo led the team uh, in rushing yard average because he averages 47 yards a rush. I think it was that fake punt, right? He has one carry for 47 yards. So congrats <laughs> yeah, to him. Yeah, fake punt against Arkansas. I did um, have – I mentioned that I only had one problem with Lane Kiffin today was the uh, – run play on third and seven um if we ever call a timeout before a punt again i'm gonna lose my mind it just doesn't make sense in my head just take the delay of game just take the delay of game for the love of god uh agreed i mean and you talk about you know uh tom hart who was on the sticks today or on the uh microphone on the call for the game i should say he's talking about how lane kiffin hates field goals well the numbers certainly back that up because luke logan uh, there's no way this is correct luke logan attempted six field goals this year well, I mean, he attempted. Are you sure these numbers are including today? Because he attempted four today. Okay, so this is definitely not yeah. including today. Ah, damn it! So this whole this whole argument is just. A, <laughs> that, that, I did not realize that this not, did not include today. I think. Let me double check though. No, there's no way he'd only kick two because I can recall three at least. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. He, uh, I was, but Corral's numbers are updated. It appears on this. I don't think they've updated Mr. Uh, Logan's yet on ESPN's website. Corral's maybe, appears. maybe they won't. Maybe they just won't. Just leave it. I, I would not want him to. And that's the one kind of sour note of this year. Oh, Miss will have a new kicker next year, and they will yeah. be a better football team because of it. That, that got tough to watch towards the end of the year. I mean, that was just brutal. The extra point, and, and I tweeted this. I was like, all right, let's hold our breaths on our on this extra point. I wasn't kidding. Like people were like, that's on you. I'm like, no. Like I, I legit thought the kid was going to miss it. Because yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you kind of always have to, don't you, with this team. Ole Miss finishes the year with 14 sacks. I think that's probably indicative of just how much they struggled to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They end the year, I think, with just five interceptions, maybe something like that. I don't know. I'm trying to see if this does it tell you how many times Ole Miss fumbled the football this year? Because I just don't feel like it was a lot. Let's see how many lost fumbles they had. Not not total, but lost fumbles they had. I know I can recall two by Corral. Ole Miss, I bet Ole Miss's uh, sports information site has it. I'll look that up uh, here in just a second as we get to it. But uh, the other one that is just staggering to me, Elijah Moore finishes this football season with, where is this, receiving 1,193 yards, 86 catches, which is a single season record, and he did it in eight games in an SEC-only schedule. That's That's not going to get enough pub. That is just stupid, remarkable. Yeah, there's a reason he's going to get a whole bunch of money here in about five months. Yeah, Good. I mean, that's, that's, that's insane. That that's really is absurd. That. And the guy he record he broke was a guy named A.J. Brown for the receptions. He was pretty good as well. <laughs> he's doing okay. He's, they he and, more? Oh, man, I don't know. That my that would be the essence like, of Titan I, I fandom. Feel like, and I don't want to stay on this too long because it's almost podcast, whatever. I feel like having to play Deshaun Watson with a playoff spot on the line, and he's got nothing to lose, not real fun. 
or just being a playoff team the entire year and then screwing yourself to not being able to make the wild card because of the way the tiebreakers run out. And now the Titans either win the division or miss the playoffs. I went on this rant with Greg uh, the other day. I was like, they have to win this game. They have to do it. I mean, you can't come on with an ASC championship game appearance and then just pee down your leg and miss the playoffs in this fashion. Like, please solidify yourself as a legitimate organization. They really need to win that game. But, yeah, that's not going to be fun uh, tomorrow. That will, no Titans fan is going to be like, I cannot wait for this well, game. Well, maybe maybe you'll just get a loss from one of the other teams in the 12 o'clock window and the game won't matter. Or, uh, that's a, do y'all that's have a, to win? Good point. Yeah, like, do y'all lose every tiebreaker? No, I think if the I think the Titans win the division, I believe if the Indianapolis Colts lose, if I'm not mistaking, okay. aren't they both? Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. Either way, like, it's not gonna be fun. You, you would be tied with like the Browns if both of you lose. I didn't know y'all y'all lost to the Browns though, but you beat the Ravens, so I don't know. Be yeah, it's gonna so be a miserable day. It is. It's gonna be a really crappy three hours of football. So yeah, I suppose if the Titans lose and the I don't know how, but I think that puts him. I think actually that puts the Titans. Like if they both lost and the Colts lost, I think that actually swings the tiebreaker because the tiebreaker between those two, because they split it up is now AFC games or conference games, whatever it is. Uh, I think that, I think they lose the tiebreaker based on a loss to Houston, if I'm not mistaken. So that's nice. That's, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. So looking, uh, looking forward to that, let's look at, there's no (laughs) no, no, more numbers that stick out, but so let's take these questions. Uh, There's only a couple of them before we get out of here. The first one we have is from... Tyler Keith is Ole Miss the top twenty-five team to start yes. next year. Yeah. You think yes? Yeah. Okay. I do. I do. Um, will they be ranked there? I don't know. I think they probably will. I don't know how you can look at what this team returns and think they're not a top twenty-five team. I was going to go in the category. I was going to kind of hedge my bets there and say at, they probably get votes to start the year in those meaningless okay. preseason polls. At worst. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, but I, I, I do. I, I think they're a top twenty-five team. Um, again, I don't know what they'll be ranked, but. I, I do think they're a top 25 team. Did Durkin save his job today? No, I don't think he saved his job. Um, and that means I think he, I don't think his job was on the line. Um, I, I do think it was his best game of the year. And I think Ole Miss did made some improvements, but I, I think DJ Durkin needs to have a good year next year. Did John Rice Plumley find his new position? I would say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If he, if, if he wants to. Yeah. I, I don't know the kid's headspace. What changes will we see in the off season? I'm going to go a couple more positional coach changing unless Lebby or someone leaves for another job. Do you, do you have any feelings on who? Cause like, I mean, I, I agree that there's going to maybe probably be some coaching staff changes, but I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't either. I would have to kind of talk to some people and, and, and kind of uh, regroup for that one another day off the top of my head. I don't know, but I'm just betting that the staff is not 100% in place in 2021. Like the same yeah. as it is today. Cause even the one that already happened kind of surprised me, the defensive line change. Hey, maybe uh, look. I said the defensive line played better. Maybe they just ought to hire the guy that you know ran the D line today because they were pretty decent today. Yeah, no kidding. Isn't that kid a GA? What's his yeah, name? Yeah, he's a GA. I can't remember who it was, but uh, he did a good job. Yeah, his his resume is flawless to this point. I would say. Yeah. Um, I think that oh, Luke Logan is gone now. Correct. The answer Thank is God. yes. Maybe the most important question of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Happy for him that they won and this is not viewed as his fault. So um, he gets to end his career on that. That would have just been a, yeah, really I'm being serious way. about that. I'm glad that kid doesn't have to live with, you know, missing the extra point against state and then losing by one today. Cause he shanked another extra point. Yeah. That, that would have just been a really, really miserable way to end the season. Yeah. I have uh, your answer on fumbles. Ole Miss fumbled nine times and lost four. Okay. And I can count. I know of, two corral lost so i can't remember the other two but that's that's kind of crazy to only lose four fumbles in 11 ga- or 10 games that that's wild yeah that really is crazy they did not fumble the ball very much that's four times and two of them at least for the quarterback corral had one against arkansas and one against auburn or he had one arkansas? against L- okay so they're all corral because he had one Wait, maybe against- he didn't have one against Auburn. maybe he threw i'm thinking of arkansas he threw the bad picks to start no, he, the game he, auburn. no he had a fumble against arkansas that they fell on at the goal line he had one against South Carolina. He had one against LSU. So three of them were on Corral. Um, I think I mis- I think I misspoke on the Auburn. I think I was thinking of his pick in the end zone. I don't think he fumbled against Auburn. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, so three of them are on Corral. So you have one fumble elsewhere on this team. That's pretty good. Pretty good. I wonder where that is. Was it Ely? I don't know. It might be Corral. I just can't remember it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty good to only fumble four times in a in a season and three of them on your quarterback. 
Ole Miss finished the season 20, uh, 22 or 30, 22 of 33 on fourth down. That seemed, well, that's a good percentage, obviously, but yeah. that, that feels like a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And it went down. Um, do they go for, yeah, they went for some fourth downs today. Uh, got them all, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, it's, I like it. I mean, I don't, I'm interested to see what that number looks like with a good kicker next year though. For sure. I think that's, uh, all the questions we had. I think that's a good place to wrap up. We're right at an hour into this thing. This has been fun, dude. I enjoy doing these post game uh, things. I'm sure we'll do something here for hoops or be- probably baseball. Yeah, or hoops, something. Hoops I, don't really about know. To play. I forgot about that. Yeah. Hoops is about to play. They're going to tip off here in an hour, but uh, I appreciate you do- joining me on these. I thank everyone for listening. This was a, uh, this was a lot of fun to hop on the mic after every game and not really have much of a plan and just react to how things <laughs> Wing it. react to how things went down, which was normally entertaining. If nothing else. Absolutely. Sounds good. My man. For sure. Dude. Uh, thanks everyone for listening this year. If you like what you heard, go rate and review, give us five stars. You can say everything in the comment section. Colin and I will be back at some point. I've got to talk to my redheaded boss about what the podcast schedule is going to be going forward, but I'm sure I'll have an update for y'all here in the bit. We'll just regroup after hoops plays tonight and then kind of see what we want to do going into basketball and baseball season. So we'll have something just not sure what it looks like yet, but uh, have a good one, dude. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Save big on your Memorial day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.